Hello and welcome to the All In My Head podcast. We're glad you decided to give this podcast a listen. We're a group of teens that are making a podcast for youth by youth. We will counter stereotypes around mental health in the teen, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus community and talk about things you might find a little uncomfortable. It's, it's real teens, Hello everyone, it's Anna. Today we are interviewing two lovely guests on therapy. This is part one about therapy where we are going to focus on the teen perspective. In part two, we'll be talking to mental health professionals. So welcome, you two. Since T hasn't been in the podcast yet, would you like to start us off with an introduction? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So hi, my name is T. I'm 17, pronouns are she, her, hers. I identify as Black, queer, neurodivergent, and a bunch of other lovely things. All right, Madeline, you're up. Hi, I'm Madeline. I use she, her pronouns. I'm 16. I am a mixed race, bipolar, queer youth. Okay, awesome. Let's get started on the question, shall we? So our first one is, I'll direct this to T. How were you introduced to therapy? Hmm, I was introduced to therapy fairly young, which I'm thankful for. So around middle school, when I had, you know, low self-esteem and was just having identity issues. So um, a school counselor just recommended me to therapy, talked to my parents, and, you know, found me a therapist. And I've been going consistently since then. I mean, with a different therapist, of course. But, yeah, that's how I was introduced in middle school when I was going through a tough time. That's awesome. I know a lot of people that they can't access it until later in life. So that's cool that you were able to access it at such a young age. Um, Madeline, do you want to give an answer to the same question? Yeah. So I was seeing my school counselor very like consistently in like sixth and seventh grade. And he was like, I think you really need to see a better mental health professional than what I can give you. And he actually tried to talk to my mom who like denied that there was anything wrong with me. So it took me quite a while to actually like get into therapy, but I was definitely recommended by my school counselor as well in middle school. Wow. I'm grateful that there's people that really push for those helpful things. All right. Next question, Madeline, you can answer this one. What preconceptions or misconceptions did you have about therapy before going? Definitely in my mind, I had that like TV set up where, you know, there's like the couch, the person's laying down, the therapist is there with their notebook. And in reality, it was so much different. And my first therapist was actually specialized for children. And I wasn't necessarily a child, but I wasn't an adult. So I was kind of in that like middle ground. And it was just nothing like I had imagined. She had games, she had toys in her room. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> that's pretty awesome. All right, T, do you got something to add? Yeah, that's so funny that, like, you say that because that was my first, like, thought. Like, you lay down and there's, like, a therapist in, like, a nice suit with a notebook and, like, glasses. But when I walked in, it was, like, a, a little nice lady with wearing just, like, a casual dress and there were toys and stuff. Because I went to a therapist that was specifically just for children because I was about, like, 12 at the time. So it was definitely different than I thought it would be because I've only seen it from, like, Hollywood and stuff. 
Yeah, I think media usually does do a kind of poorly job, especially when I was younger. That's the only representation I had as well. And now I've kind of learned about other therapy methods or like art therapy and those sorts of things that are super cool that I didn't even know about. And it makes therapy feel so much more inviting. So T, you can answer this third question. Is there or were there any barriers on your path to therapy? Hmm. I guess the only barrier were like my parents because they come from a just, you know, African household and just mental health isn't really talked about. So they just thought I was just going to some random person and just, you know, telling them a bunch of things about me, which I was doing. But from their perspective, they felt like there was nothing wrong with me and that I was just, you know, making things up and I like, I'll be fine with prayer. So that was a barrier it was my parents, definitely. And I guess one was just opening up because I couldn't really explain how I felt and didn't really talk about it with anyone. And it was hard to talk to an adult about it because I was 12, you know, and I mainly talk to my peers. So having an adult in front of you asking you questions, it's really hard to answer when you're 12 and the other person's like 48. Right. Do you think that going to therapy has helped you have those tough conversations now that you're older? Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, since I was 12, I've learned to talk about my feelings, heavy topics, how I felt, and, you know, now talking about hard things comes to me like breathing does, super easy. It just took a while to open up, but with the right people and the right support systems, it, it, it gets really easy. It gets really easy. Yeah, I do think it's difficult to be vulnerable that first time. So, and Madeline, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I definitely had some common barriers with tea. Like, my parents were definitely a big issue because they also deny that there was, like, really anything wrong and that it could have just been fixed at home. And I've also had some financial barriers because we just switched insurance. Therapy got a lot more expensive. And, of course, my parents now realize how important it is for me and that it helps me a lot. So they, they're willing to make the sacrifices that are needed to, like, continue to allow me to go to therapy. And then my biggest barrier with therapy would have had to been finding the right therapist. It was so challenging. And I went through like five before I found one that I actually liked. And that almost discouraged me from therapy. Like I, I stopped going for a bit because I was like, I, I just, I'm not connecting with any of these people. I'm not getting the right vibes. And so I stopped for a bit and then someone convinced me to like continue going. And then I found the right therapist. Yeah, I'm wondering if now with a bit more like apps or access to therapy online, maybe they have made this a bit easier. But I do think that it's still a big barrier. You don't really know who your therapist is going to be until you go talk to them, right? So, and it can be a lot of money and a lot of energy that kind of drains away from doing that. So, on that note, Madeline, what are the biggest things you get out of your therapy? The biggest thing that I get out of therapy is just the weight off of my chest, like being able to talk to someone about everything that's going on in my life and being able to just get it all out. And then there's also, of course, the fact that I get to kind of reconstruct my daily habits and daily life around my mental health barriers to make them better which has just been so helpful and so amazing for me. What about you, T? What are the biggest things you get out of your therapy? Honestly, the 
biggest things I get out of it is, you know, my own voice. It's nice to speak for myself and to let things out. I get out of therapy a, you know, a safe place to be. And just, you know, the, the, those are really the, the two major things, you know, a sense of self describing how I feel and a space to feel vulnerable because I didn't always have that space to be vulnerable. I'm really glad that you have a space now. How did you feel before you went to therapy versus after? Before, I felt like I wasn't allowed to talk about my feelings and other people's priorities and needs were greater than mine and that what I was feeling was just like made up and fake and there were people with bigger issues and that I should be grateful, you know? That's how it felt like. That I always had to just hide something and not be honest about how I felt and to not speak out my feelings, but to always worry about other people's. Yeah, I think oftentimes there might be like a misconception that you have to go to therapy if you have like the worst imaginable problem. And sometimes we underestimate like the issues we have in our mental health because it's not something people talk about too much. So you don't know what is bad or what is good. So I think having therapy helps to clear that up and that you can go even if you think it's a small problem or if you don't have any problems. Madeline, what do you feel like you were before you went to therapy and then after? I definitely thought that like mental health was such a taboo topic and that mental illness just shouldn't be talked about because that's kind of how my parents had raised me. They're very, both very like closed off people. And then like going to therapy, I realized that mental health needs to be talked about and that we need to be addressing the mental illness and even just the daily stress and problems that life bring. And like before therapy, I was closed off like my parents and like T said like I didn't know how to communicate my feelings and how to s talk about these big subjects and then therapy just helped me like communicate what I was feeling what I needed especially I had a really hard time with that before therapy and then therapy also just helped me help others as well like friends who have daily problems now I know how to react to that instead of just being like well you should just deal well, with it because that's kind of the mindset that I had with myself but it's definitely helped me talk with others about their mental health as well as mine. Ooh, can I add on real quick? I also got, like, a morning routine ahead of therapy. Honestly, like, finding a consistent schedule and to, you know, really ground myself in the morning and come in with the routine so, you know, things don't get too stressful, that's been super helpful and that I've gone out of therapy. Because before, I was just doing whatever, kind of a mess all over the place. But yeah, therapy's definitely helped me be more organized. Yeah, I'm thinking I might need a help with a morning routine. So, T, how does your family feel about being in therapy? I think you kind of answered this a bit, but if you want to go into more detail, you can. Yeah, no problem. Well, at the start, my parents were super iffy on it. You know, they were like, oh, like, you don't need help, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, throughout my life, I'd have, like, mental health, like, episodes and, like, the worst experience was like ending up in like a hospital for like a whole you know like three weeks four weeks and my parents were like oh crap like our daughter like like needs help so after like that whole experience and how it took forever for my parents to realize that like I had actual issues they've been really like you know happy that I'm going to therapy that I'm talking to someone and when I miss like you know an appointment they'll check up on me so it's definitely gone better over the years definitely more accepting and I think me going to therapy has also helped them 
be honest about their true feelings about their own mental health. Madeline, what about you? I've had a similar experience where at the start, my parents like didn't really think that there's anything wrong, that I needed therapy. And then it took me having a really big mental breakdown for them to, to realize how badly I needed therapy and that I needed to get help. And now like my dad is super supportive about it. And whenever I like quit therapy for a little bit, like I, I stopped going for a little bit because of time issues. And he's like, he sat me down and was like, you need to go to therapy. It helps you. And it just, it's a necessity for you. And I need you to continue to do this, which really kind of opened my eyes a bit and helped me see that I, I needed to start seeing a therapist again. And like T said, it's definitely helped my parents realize that they can speak up about their own mental health as well. And that like my dad even started seeing a therapist because of me. That's pretty cool. Since you both have been to therapy for, I would say, like a while, what is it you look for in a therapist? T, you can go first. I kind of just go off of, like, vibes. Like, that sounds silly, but if I just feel comfortable in their space and I'm, you know, I can open up and how they talk to me for sure. Like, I like therapists who are less serious and more laid back, so it feels like I'm talking to a friend, but not really, you know? And I like therapists who don't interrupt me who really like get to know me as a person first i always 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 look for a therapist who also asks about my interests what i do for hobbies and not just oh you're depressed why are you depressed you know like i definitely want a therapist who sees me as a person first and then like my mental health issues second madeline you're up yeah i i mean i i also go off like vibes and like if if i can feel comfortable in that space that's a good start and i really go for like how they talk to me, like my first therapist, I'd already expressed to her that I didn't like when people like talk to me like a kid. And then she continued to call me kiddo after I'd expressed how I didn't like being called kiddo. And so that really irked me. And so I stopped seeing her, but I've looked for people who are kind of like charismatic and share kind of the same kind of personality as me are outgoing and are willing to talk as well as be talked to. Because sometimes I'm not in the mood to share my whole life story every single day, but it, sometimes it's nice to just hear like their perspective on things and what they would do or what their advice is. And so that's definitely been what I've looked for. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I also look for a therapist who looks like me. Before I used to see like white women, which was, you know, okay, because they related to an extent on the woman stuff. And then I'd see like, a man and that just didn't work out just because you know I've had like traumatic experiences with just being around men and stuff and then my therapist now is a black woman and that's been so life-changing and she really understands the way that I navigate through life and other things that are making me upset that are out of my control like you know misogyny you know anti-blackness so it's nice to have a therapist that looks like me so they can relate to me and truly give me advice that'll help that makes a lot of sense Okay, so to wrap up our interview, we have one last question. So, Madeline, what is it like talking to an adult versus a peer? Because I know that, you know, therapy, some people shy away from it because it's usually an adult. What is that like for you to talk to an adult? It definitely depends on what kind of adult you're talking to in therapy, because some will give you kind of their experience as they've gone through life because they have more years over you or whatever. 
And then sometimes it is similar to talking to a peer, but someone who is going to understand your mental health better. And talking to a peer, like I've had experiences where they're like, well, I don't know how to help you. And so that's been frustrating. Whereas talking to like a therapist, they've seen people in your situation, they've seen and they know about what you're going through, even though if they can't relate or not. So that's kind of the differences that I've come up with. That makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes when I talk to a peer, I kind of hit a wall of how much help they can give me. And that makes sense because they're not, you know, professionally trained. And so reaching out to somebody else and maybe taking off a burden to someone who's professionally trained is sometimes a better option for like the tougher stuff. So T, what do you have to add about adults versus peers? Hmm. So I've always been like an old soul. So most of my friends, I'm 17, most of my friends are like 18, 24, and I just relate to them more. So just, I don't really talk to my peers about things because their advice are usually super, like no offense to them, but it's usually just super shallow and just, they don't know what to do either, which is fair, you know? And it's just, it's not the same. We should talk to an adult because they've been 17 before. They've seen people with the same experiences as me, have maybe gone through it themselves. So I really do prefer talking to an adult because um, not all adults are amazing, of course, but it just feels more mature and like you're taken seriously and you don't have to worry about them telling their friends or something all right that's the end of our questions y'all thank you so much for coming on to our podcast madeline and t uh, i hope you had a good time it was great it was thank you thanks for having us yeah no problem hope to see you again let's not shy away from this and let's talk about it Systemic racism and discrimination practices have had a long and profound history within our country. And unfortunately, the mental health care industry is not exempt from this. While mental health conditions can appear regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, or identity, these factors can make it significantly more difficult for historically oppressed groups of people to receive quality mental health treatment. According to Mental Health America, 17% of Black people and 23% of Native Americans live with a mental illness. Research also shows that BIPOC groups are 1. Less likely to have access to mental health services, 2. Less likely to seek out treatment, and 3. More likely to receive low or poor quality of care. BIPOC communities are more likely to be exposed to risk factors that increase the chances of developing a mental health condition, such as homelessness and exposure to violence as a result of other forms of systemic racism. Bringing awareness to the fact that BIPOC communities face different types of barriers to receiving quality mental health treatment is only the first step in the path towards mental health care equity. If you yourself or someone is in need of mental health resources, please feel free to check out the NAP Ministry and Real to the People. The NAP Ministry is an organization that explores and promotes the healing of power through napping for BIPOC communities specifically, with a focus of Black people whose rest is challenged by the ever-present trauma in their lives. Real to the People was created as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic, it offers free therapy services to help people cope with isolation, including group support series, which is four times a week. 
This podcast was created using a grant from the Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide in partnership with the Association of Oregon Community Mental Health Programs and with funding from the Oregon Health Authority. The adult advisor is Nicole Mayer, music by Waterboy, shared on Pixabay.